Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the podcast based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guide. This is the ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 66 of Thrive Deeper. This is the accompaniment podcast for the Thrive Daily Reading Guide written by Matthew Jacoby. And it's with Matt that I sit down and have these discussions every week about what we're reading in that Daily Reading Guide. Now, this week we are talking about James, the book of James in the New Testament. We're going to get into the first couple of chapters, talk a little bit about who James is and why this book is so unique in the New Testament. It stands alone as something that's very original and comes from a really different place than the other books. So keep on listening and you'll hear all about that. I'm excited to bring you this conversation today that I had with Matthew. And if you've been getting a lot out of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide, then I know you're going to get a lot out of this podcast as well. Keep on listening. I've got some more information to share with you during the podcast. But until then, Thrive. Now, can you believe it, Matt? It is September already. Mm. September already. This is the uh, going out on Friday the 6th of September. But I think that we Mm. should pull back the curtain a little bit and tell everybody what's going on behind the scenes. What's going on behind the scenes? (laughs) I don't know what you're... Okay. I just wanted to see. You just, better do that because it could be news to me. Yeah, I wanted to see exactly what you would say. <laughs> I was wondering what you'd come up with there. We we doing a little bit of pre-recording at the moment for these next few episodes because you're going on a massive holiday. Mm, yes, I am with the family yeah, over to so Europe. You're, you're, so you're going to Europe yeah. with the whole family. So with your wife Kate mm. and the three kids. Yeah. Tell us, and you're, this is your long service leave. Uh, from well. Well, it's 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 leave in any case, but it's um, it's something that we've been planning for for a while. We wanted to you know create some memories and do something, uh, do something, uh, do something just you know amazing with the kids. So, yeah. um, and they've they've been really attuned to Europe. I mean, all the kids are really excited about you know we're doing all the big ones, you know, Paris, Amsterdam, and uh, Venice, Rome. You know, like the big uh, the big hitters yes. uh, in Europe. So. So it'll be great. Really looking forward to it. Great you, family you, time. You guys, the Jacobis, you've been talking about this for a very long time, that this has been the plan to do. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that's right. I'm, I'm excited to see. So how long are you going for all up? Uh, about five weeks. <sighs> yeah, I know. That's a big trip. It's a big trip. But it's, it's like getting everyone over there is quite expensive. So oh, you sort of I'm ve- make I'm the amazed. most of it when, you get, when we get there. I'm amazed that, you know, you, you've been able to financially do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. We've got to sell some more Thrives. I, I'm amazed too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to sell some more copies of Deeper yeah. Places, some more copies of Thrives yeah. to pay for Matt's family trip over <laughs> to Europe and back. No, so uh, so we're going to be a little bit slow. I, I'm, the reason why I mention that, not to make us all feel jealous, which we do, but also we're going to be a little bit slow on the uptake with some questions that are coming in over mm. the next little bit. So yeah. if your questions feel like they're, you know, please still send them in. But if you feel like, oh, gee, they haven't got around to it, it might be because we've pre-recorded mm. a, few, yeah. a few in advance. Advance. So bear with us about that. But uh, yeah, and if, you, and if you're listening to the podcast and following Matt on social media and going, hang on, how's he doing this from, <laughs> from uh, you know, Amsterdam? What's going mm. on here? Don't worry, I'm not travelling with them. We're doing it all before we start. No, so. you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you say like that's a bad thing, mate. Um, now, uh, the... Uh, 
one one thing that uh, I'm excited about as we've uh, we've just gone through Hebrews uh, in our new edition of the Thrive mm. Daily Reading Guide, and I love the flow that I'm really enjoying the flow at the moment coming out of the Old Testament and then into the book of Matthew, the very Jewish book of Matthew, and now and then we did Hebrews, which seemed to tie in so mm. many of the relevant yeah. themes, yeah. and I'm finding those sa- same themes yeah. now in the book of James. Yeah. I've noticed uh, that very much. Yeah, like yeah. there's a thread, there's a few yeah. threads going through all of it really beautifully. And so I'm looking forward to exploring that. But before we get into the book of James, let's talk about James, the person. Mm. Well, this is, there were two Jameses, of mm. course, who were disciples uh, of Jesus. Um, uh, James, son of Alphaeus, I think it is, and James, the, uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Yes. This isn't one of those uh, Jameses. This is James, this is Jesus' brother, James, yeah. who evidently came to faith uh, in, in the apostolic era. Yes. You know, at some point, early on, I early, would say. Early on, yeah. 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 Um, you know, probably in response to Jesus' resurrection, no doubt. Yeah. I, I would, I, you know, I would suggest. <clears throat> and, and he actually becomes the leader in Jerusalem. Yes. He becomes the, the, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Now that's that's obviously because of so if we think about the history of the, of the early church we know pretty quickly in that in that thousands of people getting saved yeah. right from the get go with the apostles teaching Peter leading leading yeah. the crew obviously <clears throat> Jesus's we should mention half brother I mean yeah. it's fine to yeah, call yeah, him a brother yeah, yeah. but uh, obviously a half brother there yeah. um, is uh, as in the son of, of probably Mary. the son of Mary yeah. um, he's uh, he he is converted. Yeah, you know, he realizes that his brother, you know, was yeah. was the Messiah, yeah. becomes one of the elders in the church. Yeah. You know, um, and of course, you, you, I love imagining the conversations mm. with the apostles and and James having this, mm. you know, his whole life yeah. spent with Jesus before yeah. he went away on ministry. Yeah. Some of the yeah. stories that he could tell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My big brother came and you know told me this and taught me this and everything like that. And him putting it all together, him being very elevated and honoured in, in, in amongst the early Jewish uh, believers. Mm. And then as Peter and as Paul eventually yeah. joins the crew and the other other apostles, they start going out. Yeah, that's right. They start going out. So that leaves <clears throat> yeah. uh, um, our, our, our writer yeah. here, James, to, to, yeah. to rise up in the ranks, yeah. as it were, mm. and become a really elder statesman of the that's early right. church. That's right. And we see that in Acts, you know, when Paul makes that journey back to Jerusalem around, you know, chapter 20 uh, in Acts, we see that he goes and he meets with James and James is clearly the head of the church there. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and I think already in Acts uh, 15 where they have the council, the Jerusalem council. So, um, yeah, so James is, of course, very prominent and he, he's, in, he's really also in the hotbed. Like he, he's really in the hot seat in many ways because yeah. the – in as much as the church was born in Jerusalem, the hottest persecution, of course, was in Jerusalem yes. as well. And uh, eventually James uh, is martyred. He um, is taken up uh, to the temple, uh, on, on top of the temple, probably uh, the big platform uh, and th- that Herod built, yes. which, which is really quite high, and he's, he was thrown off that. And he actually didn't die from the fall, according to, to uh, traditional, traditional accounts. He, and, and then he was stoned to death uh, afterwards. So yeah. it, it was a terrible 
uh, terrible death that he suffered, but he was faithful. one of the many examples of someone who was just faithful yeah. to the last. And his, and his reputation was for great wisdom as, <clears throat> well, yeah. as well, and we see yeah. that come out in the book. Uh, we also see, and it's also to remember because these themes come out in the book, that he oversaw as the leader of the early Jerusalem church, the, yeah. the, the, uh, the very epicentre of, of, the, of the church, we read very early on Acts that the church um, was so unified and so devoted and so expecting Christ to return that they sold their possessions, mm. built up, you know, the you know, like yep. really looked after a lot of people. But then very soon, um, and we can say about this culturally, as it were, you know, later on, and we see different things as the, as the early church continues. We've yeah. got a history of it that there was famines, there was persecution, and that that. Uh, mm. Wonderful solidarity. We're not dis- not disparaging the wonderful uni- unity mm-hmm. and, sp- and and all you know, you know, communal living that they had. Yeah. But they became very poor and dependent yeah. on the other churches yeah, out right. there. Paul yeah. was offering offer, <clears throat> or, you know, offer uh, very often raising money and getting offerings yeah. for the church back in Jerusalem because yeah, James right. is like, we've got a large crowd here. Yeah. They've sold everything. We've got to look after a lot of you yeah. know widows and orphans here. It's really, really hard. Yeah. So he's got a lot of wisdom about that as well. Yeah, that's right. So, and they were facing hard times. They were facing, as I said, opposition. You know, James himself bears the brunt of that opposition. So you see these themes are reflected in the book. It's like Hebrews. It's it's a very Jewish um, book. It's the yes. most Jewish, uh, pr- probably after. Uh, well, along with Matthew and Hebrews, it's yeah. the other really Jewish book. Of now, did the you did Bible. you now again? Let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Now, when you're working out the order of what to read, way back in the day when you're working, okay, what are we going to do yeah. in, in in Thrive? <clears throat> did you go, okay, I'm going to put these Jewish theme books together, or was it just lucky dip out of a hat? Well, it, <laughs> <laughs> come on, it, be honest well, here. Was, <laughs> well, well, the way that we the way that the Thrive thing works is Old Testament we work sequentially through the books. Yes. So you do. It's two Old Testament books to one New Testament book. That's the way that we work the Bible reading yeah. schedule. And, you know, so the Old Testament books you'll do maybe Genesis, Exodus, and then you'll come to a New Testament book. Yeah. And, norm, you know, like let's say you come to Romans and then you go back to, um, you know, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then when you go back we'll go Corinthians. So we'll follow yeah. the letters through. But we, we we every now and again we put a gospel in there yeah. um, because we we th- – we tried to separate the, the four gospels so that yeah. you know every every now and again we come back to a gospel yes. as opposed to reading them all in a row. But we've done. We've, so we've, the placement of the Gospel of Matthew, th- there was an element of arbitrariness to the placement of the Gospel of Matthew yeah. before Hebrews and James. But we've done. <coughs> that, so now this is a three, and, and we're ongoing. We're going to be doing some more New Testament books. Yeah. So that's quite a few few New Testament yeah, yeah, books yeah, in a row. Right. Yeah, we've done. Um, uh, I'm not sure how that's happened, actually. <laughs> well, I'm loving it. However yeah. it happened, I'm absolutely yeah. loving One last thing to say about James, uh, you know, the elder in the early church of Jerusalem here and the half-brother of Jesus, is that his name wasn't James. If we look, in, if we look into yeah. the old writing, it's, isn't it like Jacob or yeah, yeah. Jacob, basically? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's sort of a Greek, uh, like a, a kind of a Greek version. I mean, I guess... Um, Names names are difficult in uh, in scripture because um, you know they they're like Paul and Saul and yes. so. But in even in uh, Greek, and I'm just looking at the Greek here as you say this, yeah. uh, Iakobos. So yeah, um, well, very similar the, to your the, last name. The, a theory that I heard uh, with James, 
well, th- this is you know, from the King from King James. Yes, that King James wanted to be in the Bible, and so they <laughs> they, they just force it yeah, in there. They, they force yeah. it in there. I, I think there is perhaps some connection between James and Jacob yes. uh, historically. I'm. I just don't know what yeah, that is. Yeah, same here. And and I, I imagine, again, I just imagine these scenes, and this is what I'm hoping we get in heaven one day. We yeah. get to watch or experience Jesus's life that we don't see in the in the in the new, yeah. in the in the testaments here. Well, but, well, of course. I mean, it's the same with the name Yeshua. Jesus. Is, yeah. is is basically Joshua. Yes. You know, and then in the Hebrew, they would pronounce it Yeshua. Yeah. You know, with the where they do the the well, y- Yeshua. Yeshua. So, I mean. He, I think that's how they would have referred to Joshua. So Joshua yeah. and Jesus basically have the same name, but in our Bibles they're different. Yeah. So it would have been uh, Jacob or Jacob or however yeah, they yeah. pronounce Jacob and Yeshua growing up together. Yeah, I know. And, and so all of this stuff about the name of Jesus, it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's all about the heart and the intent of the heart. So we'll, as we go through this, we'll call him James, the writer. Yeah. We understand that anybody yeah. who's really particular about the language will be cringing yeah, at that. Jacob. But you know, we understand. So uh, that's the person, and I'm I'm so I'm so excited. So this, they say that this was probably one of the earlier letters to the churches. Mm. Yeah. Possibly, it, it is difficult to know. Uh, it is difficult to know with these letters, but um, uh, it's quite possible that this is one of the earlier ones, and it certainly uh, it, it reflects. I would say it reflects quite similar um, circumstances to that of Hebrews, mm. similar sort of persecution. So we could be talking around sixty, uh, around sixty AD yeah. for this one. While the while mm. the you know the apostle mm. Paul is out there yep. doing his thing, James is writing to the churches, and he's writing uh, obviously to um, you know he says right at the beginning he's talking to the Jewish believers scattered abroad. So he's talking to the early church made up mostly of converted Jewish yep. people, and it's a different type of bo- it's a different type of letter because it's uh, Paul's letters are very to a particular church to a particular crowd of people. Talking about a particular problem that's going yeah, on yeah, in that that's church. Right. James's one here is very wise and very sage-like, and and carries some themes uh, and and some of the you know some of some Jewish themes that we've seen and and the themes that that struck, struck me when as we were reading and we'll, and we'll get into it in, in, in deeper. It has very you know. Uh, the the man obviously grew up, and this is how I love imagining you know you know James and Jesus growing up together mm. at the feet of their parents. They were obviously taught the proverbs backwards and forwards. Yeah. You know the book of proverbs, yeah, yeah. and there's so much of the book of proverbs in this. <laughs> there is, uh, and and in that sense, and this is how it's very Jewish. So just I'm just a correction to the date. Yes, um, I just quickly check my notes. Yeah. 40 to 50, actually, yeah. I think most people are saying. Yeah. So um, so this is uh, – and I think there's something appropriate that given the relationship of, of James uh, to, to Jesus. And certainly it th- there is that connection with the wisdom tradition, with the Jewish wisdom tradition. Yeah. This is the wisdom book uh, of the New Testament. Yeah. And I think that's going to make a lot of sense when we deal with some things around faith and and how we're made right with God later on, because this is very different kind of, it's the same truth, but it's a, di- a slightly different perspective. Wisdom literature provides a slightly different perspective on the same body of truth, and that's important. It's very practical, um, yeah. very much uh, focused on living on living life according to a pattern with integrity 
and you're going to see this uh, in James very much. And the beautiful thing about it that I really enjoyed in this one is you could hear, uh, and I don't probably bore everybody with this, but I can't stop imagining James and Jesus' brothers, and I and I hear. Even though James doesn't talk about it himself in this book yeah. at all, he does not use that as any credibility or anything like yeah. that. He talks about it, talks about Jesus as the Lord and Savior, but he weaves in the wisdom of Jesus. He weaves in the wisdom of his half brother, especially these echoes of yeah. the Sermon of the yeah, Mount. There is yeah, so absolutely. much through this, yeah. and so they obviously the early church had that in some yeah. sort of form. The the the, the Sermon on the Mount uh, that they could refer back to. And he's using both – he's like weaving Proverbs, the yeah. Sermon of the Mount, and the experience of that's the early right. church together in this beautiful book. And that's an interesting point because this is well before the Gospels are written. It's still going to be, um, yeah. you know, maybe uh, decades before the Gospels are written, maybe, uh, you know, two, uh, uh, two to four decades before the Gospels are going to be written. So – but the, the themes and the allusions here are so clear yes. that clearly this material – is getting around in some form in totally. these earliest times. So I think that gives us a bit of a clue to the Gospels coming together and the fact that the Gospels aren't just reading something back, but that even at this early stage you have these tradition, these um, memories, I should say, yep. um, floating around. Yeah. And, 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 seem, and, and there seems to be some agreement here between him and the church, like oh yeah, we all know this yes. stuff. Yeah, he's not he's not yeah. like bringing something yeah. out of the blue. That's right. Yeah, they are all aware of this. That's right. Already it's like there. he doesn't need to he doesn't need to say. Now Jesus said it's like yeah. they know everyone kind yeah. of knew that. I love it. I love it. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. We're gonna we're gonna just talk around it all day. So he opens up and he gets straight into and uh, one of the main themes that we'll see in this book. And this is something that we've been talking about and struggling about personally as we've gone yep. through Matthew yep. and Hebrews. Yeah. So much about what faith actually is. Yeah. And he gets straight into it in chapter one. He talks about having faith in God and what that really, really means when yeah. we ask God for stuff. There's a lot about faith in uh, in the book of Hebrews. I mean, the first thing uh, is that this is expressed in the context of persecution. Mm. You know, one of the things that struck me, and, and we said this when we talked about Hebrews, was the way in which the writer of Hebrews seemed to be quite hard on on. I mean, there was compassion for the suffering, but, you know, that classic statement, strengthen your feeble knees, you know, it's like, oh, that's really hard. I've heard you quote that so often in the last few weeks. I think God's trying to tell you something, Matt. Yeah, well, well, well it, it, it occurred to me, um, you know, after reading the whole book, I just thought, had a sense of possibly how soft we have become. Amen. And... So I, I did. I actually it led me to do a bit of investigation. I led. I, I went to some um, early uh, a group of writings known as the Apostolic Fathers. Yes. So the, these are writings that come from the earliest uh, first and second Clement. They're known as a letter and then a full sermon transcript from right at the end of the first century. Amazing. So this is you know first Clement is probably around the time when John is still alive. Second Clement, which is not really by Clement, we don't know. It's it's an anonymous sermon, but it, yes. it was actually a full sermon transcript, the earliest full sermon transcript we have. And and I was struck when I read those, again, by how hard the the, the writers were on their audience, who, who at that stage were being persecuted to the Killed. point of shedding blood. I mean, yeah. the writer of Hebrews says to, to um, his uh, readers, 
you haven't yet suffered to the point of shedding blood. Well, in, by the end of the uh, first century, that, that was happening. And they were still as hard. And, they, and they, were still, they were still as hard and they sort of demanded this, you've got to, you've got to uh, not let go of Jesus and you've got to... And, and, and this sense that, um, you know, God is purifying you through suffering and it's, oh, it's just these themes that come through. And, and the constant and the interesting thing in, in these letters is this constant and these early apostolic letters by these apostolic fathers is in the midst of that, this... Um, really strong call to repentance. And you think mm. these people are, are, I mean, they're already standing up for their faith and being persecuted. Yeah. And yet you think these people are my heroes, right? Yeah. And yet the, the heavy call for repentance in these letters, <laughs> and I thought, if these people need to repent, how much more do I? And I tell you, I, when, when I was reading through that sermon in Second Clement, I... I, I it just convicted me so so deeply, that is fantastic. and so that was my that was kind of my spiritual rabbit trail, you know, uh, going from the book of Hebrews, yeah. thinking you know this is hard stuff. I need to get out of my culture and read some stuff in yeah. in uh, in other places and and going to this early church period. So this is the period. I mean, this is the earlier stages. It's even earlier than yeah, that. It's even is, earlier stages. Yeah. But so but these guys are facing the kind of trials that Hebrews talks to because really right from the start, of course, there was vehement opposition. Mostly uh, from the Jews. Yeah, mostly from, from the Jews in, in Jerusalem. Mm. And that's difficult because, you know, particularly for Jewish believers, um, you know, th- that involves... Uh, being ostracized from their community, and yeah. this is a very close community. Close and, 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 we've, and we spent a lot of time, you know, when we've been talking through the Old Testament, a lot of the rules and the mm-hmm. life of the Jews in the Old Testament was all about community. Yeah, was about you know all for one and one for like we are in this together. This is all yeah. about a tight knit family. The reason why this works is because we're one community, and all of a sudden this is fractured. Yeah, this, Jesus has come, like he says, to separate families. Yeah. yeah. And f- families are fracturing and breaking. This culture is breaking, and and yeah. the whole Jewish fabric of their hearts and their minds are breaking here. Yeah, and it's not that Jesus wanted to break families apart, but he, that, there's that yes inevitability to yes. that. Is there's an inevitability? This is an inevitable, and um, and so this is occurring. And and James is writing from Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem, but he's writing out. To the churches, and, and that's what he refer, He says to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. That's how he refers to these to yeah. these churches, and who, who were made up, you know, in the first place by Jewish believers, but with lots of Gentiles coming in to the uh, to the faith. Yeah. So he's addressing them and addressing that this these kind of issues that they're facing, and he's saying, you know, that. Uh, he says that you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let, pro- let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Oh. So this is this, this is this kind of hard edge. It's like you're facing trials, consider it pure joy. Yeah. It's just, it, it's so countercultural, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because they're to look beyond the trials and look at what God is doing through the trials. It's not that God causes that and, um, uh, We'll we'll say something about the faith in the midst of that, but I'm going to jump to this second the second point that I wanted to yeah uh, which which 
Because um, he says in verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Again, it's hard, it, it's hard uncompromising stuff. Yeah. Now, um, in, at the beginning of the chapter, you know, he's saying that consider it pure joy when you face this, because this is what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And so there's this sense that God is going to work through that, but it's really important that God isn't the cause of it. It's not God persecuting you, you and it's not God you. tempting you. Yes. That's the important. And I think this is important because sometimes when, we, when, when bad things happen, sometimes a misunderstanding of the, the way that the sovereignty of God works causes us to think uh, in terms of this sort of um, meticulous um, predetermination. It's like, uh, like God is causing this... And he has now God is sovereign over over everything, and he allows certain things to happen. But um, what James is saying here is that is that God is not doing the tempt. God is not creating the trials. It's people who are persecuting, and that's a real that's just a bad thing, right? Mm. Mm. And God is going to work in and through this. Uh, that's the difference. So I think it's a, that's important because when we you know we go through trials, we say, well, there must be a reason for it. Well. Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, it's important that we recognise that there's nothing rational about about the state of the human heart and about the way that the world is and the bad things yes. that happen, you know, from natural things. To, I mean, there's a sense of chaos that the world has fallen into chaos. You know, we yes. live in a fallen world, so there's nothing rational really about that. God doesn't want that, but the, this is where the sovereignty of God comes That's in. It. God works all things for the good of those who love him, love him. It's a beautiful balance. All right, we'll take a break and we're going to get into it. And faith is one of the big things. And we just, you know, even in that chapter one, verse four, as so many of the epistles do, and, and James does so beautifully here, I think that pretty much sums up the theme of the book that mm. your faith will grow once it's been tested and you become to full maturity. It's all about completeness and maturity. He wants the church especially this early yeah. church, to be mature, <clears throat> complete, not perfect. I mean, some translations will say perfect. It's not perfect as in perfection yeah, yeah, without sin. Yeah. It's perfect in their understanding yeah. and in their relationship with yeah, God and, right. and maturity there. Yeah. All right, let's take a break and we'll get right into it. You're with DJ and Matt for Thrive Deeper. G'day family, it's DJ here. I just wanted to encourage you in your walk with God with the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. We know how much the guide means to you and I'm excited to let you know that over 3,000 copies of each and every edition of Thrive ends up in prisons and juvenile centres around Australia and New Zealand for both men and women. The demand for the Thrive Daily Reading Guide is so strong that we can barely keep up with it. So we're asking you to get on board with us. For just $16 per year, you can sponsor not just one or two, but four copies of each and every edition of Thrive. And these will be distributed through the Prison Chaplaincy Network into prisons and juvenile centres around Australia and New Zealand. Now, we've received a letter, a note here from a prisoner 
and she wanted to let us know how much the copies mean to her of, of Thrive Deeper that she gets. She says, I spent nearly two years at the blank Women's Correctional Centre awaiting a trial on fraud charges. I began reading Thrive pretty much as soon as I got in there. Now, as a 52-year-old middle-class white woman with no previous criminal record, prison was a terrifying place. But reading Thrive, and my Bible of course, brought me to the feet of Jesus, where I finally surrendered to Him. And life has never been the same since that day. It's still a roller coaster, but now that I know the Lord, I know that no matter what it looks like, He will always work things out together for my good. Always. Thank you. And God bless. How do you get involved? It's really simple. Just head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Have a look for how you can get involved in giving to prisons. It's all clear and you can help us accomplish this goal on the website thrivetoday.net.au. Now, back to the episode with Matthew and myself. You're listening to Thrive Deeper, episode 66, and we're in the book of James, chapter 1, and we've given you the introduction around what's happening. Now, let's actually get into some of the teaching here. Matt, you alluded to verses 5 and 6 there, right at the beginning, where he talks about, um, you know, first off, he he makes the great, great, uh, you know, statement, setting this book in the wisdom literature of the Bible. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But then he gets into the area of faith, one of the major themes here. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Mm. That's an interesting uh, that translation is an interesting interpretation that's the, of that's the text. That's a new, new, new living translation. Yeah, yeah, which, which is a great uh, dynamic translation yes. that that does interpret the meaning of the text to some, and and I think in most cases it does does a, a great job. And I think there, uh, I think it does a great job there in in a in a slightly more. This is the NIV says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Yeah, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Now it's interesting the word doubt here. It's an interesting word. Uh, it's um, uh, diacrino, which is which is like it has this sense of um, uh, of kind of hesitating, deliberating, um, dividing, judging. It, it's almost this sense of overthinking, or, or but certainly has this sense of wavering. Okay. Uh, and you think, well, why why is that so important? I mean, aren't we going to waver um, in this? And and this is not about just. Uh, I think that the idea here is that we need to trust in who God is, and not waver on that. Yeah. So it's not about you know, visualize what you want, believe in it enough and you'll get it. You sort of like whatever you want. No, it's actually much more relational. This is about your relationship with God. It's, you know, faith is our connection, is our hold on God, not on the things, not on things 
imagine things that we want. You know, yep. it's like I'm going to hold on to my dream yes. and believe and believe and believe that God's going to make. No, hang on, faith isn't holding on to the things that you want uh, and believing for them. It's actually faith is believing in God. Yes. You know, so that's the and I think that that translation. Um, uh, your, the new living, new living translation uh, brings that out. Yeah. So, so that's that's the wavering. This is the problem. It's like don't waver on on who God is because because yes. the whole the, the thing that God wants the most is this unbreakable relationship. And in the context, He's saying, "Well, you're going to need this. You're going to need that unbreakable relationship. Totally. You're going to need to hold on uh, really tight. And and so don't waver. Don't doubt. You've got to believe that God is willing to answer. Mm. And you know, and this is something, you know, he says on something specific. I mean, God wants to give us wisdom, right? So um, so he's saying you've got to believe in God. Yes. Give God credit. So this is like, you know, faith is like an act of worship and praise. It's I'm going to I'm going to believe in you. This you get this in the Psalms. You know, they make these appeals to God, and there's a sense of God's favor on that because it actually does just it does credit to God. They are mm. taking seriously God's revelation about Himself and who God said He would be for them. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what's happening here. While, while we're on this topic, I think it's worth talking about um, chapter five. I'm going to jump to chapter five. Ooh, going right to the uh, back. yeah, yeah, where um, it says here. Um, I just lost it. Sorry, am I, am I think? Um, uh, it says, "If anyone of uh, you in trouble, let them pray." This is from verse thirteen. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. Uh, and if they have sinned, they have been forgiven. So, the the faith thing here is uh, again. We need to connect this with what he's already said about faith. So this yeah. is not. Don't waver in your uh, in in your hold on God yes, in this. That's a great way now, to put it. Now this is this is an interesting. I mean, this is an interesting one for me. And, and I, you know, I've thought a lot about this. I, I when we were going through Matthew, you know, I, I sort of. Um, I expressed to you that I wanted to leave this topic a little open. I didn't yeah. want to. I didn't want to neatly shut this. I wanted to leave room for growth. Faith, faith is not a neat topic. Yeah. Well, well. Let let me let me describe where I'm sort of up to. This. And, <laughs> and 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 you know, I'm, like I'm a work in progress because, and, and it comes from this conviction that there are just certain things that you can't know analytically from the outside. You have to know them from the outside. So I think to some extent, the more I grow in faith, the more I know what faith is. Yes. Hence, this is why uh, I, I, I want to leave this, uh, this topic open. Defined biblically. I mean, this is important. Yep. Defined biblically, uh, but open in the sense of um, how I personally understand what is defined yes. clearly in Scripture. So th- there is this sense, and, and, I, and I've become more conscious of this because we've been talking about these things. Mm-hmm. I, I have this sense in moments of, in in, in the best moments of, of connectedness with God, and and I, you know, I spend blocks of time. I would go off for a walk or something, and I, and I to, to seek God and and to um, to attune my heart to God. And there is this sense that I have when that happens. It's like in that place of connectedness with God. 
there is a sense of this confidence that just wells up within inside me. It's like this confidence, like, like, oh, God's going to take care of that. God's, mm. I don't need to worry about that. Mm. What am I? What? It's like you know, it's like God gives me faith for certain things. So even so, th- th- this is why when I pray, I don't just start with a shopping list, right? Because mm. I I, I want to pray in faith, right? Mm. And so. And, and I want, as Paul says, I want to pray in the spirit on all occasions. Mm. He says, so, you know, so it's like beginning by, you know, a little like the Lord Prayer mm. starts, "Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be on it." So it's looking for that. Let's connect with who God is first. And so, um, but it's interesting, you know, I've noted that um, that there's a sense of faith that God gives me for certain things that confront me at certain times. It's like, oh, so I'm, I, I am now really believing. And so when I pray into that, there's not that wavering. It's the, the, and, it's, and the result is not out of some superpower that I have, faith is a superpower, but that sense of connectedness with God, you know. Um, and, and, and I think, well, let me put it this way. I wonder, <laughs> I'm going to be good, cautious about this. I, you know, I wonder here where, you know, because th- there are times... Um, there are times when I have prayed for things that, um, that you know, I'm not sure exactly what God wants to do here. And then there are times when, when I've prayed into things with, and, and in that sense of connection, it's like God has given me faith for that. There's a sense of that faith it's, has welled up in my heart for a particular thing. Yes. And so there's a sense of, um, dependence on God for even what he wants to do in that moment. It's like I'm not presuming that God is always going to do things in this certain way and in this certain timing. But I find in those moments that uh, when God wants to do a particular thing in a particular way, he will give me faith to pray into that thing in a particular way. Yeah. Do, do you see what I'm saying? I, I see what you're so, saying. So yeah. it's allowing for particularity of circumstances yeah. because otherwise it's like it's like one rule fits every circumstance. Yeah. Um, and 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 I'm I'm not sure if that's particularly wise if we're talking about wisdom. Mm. You know, I think there's still a sense of okay, well, what? Because I know I know that there are some people that would want to say, uh, no, no, if if you have enough faith, the person will yep. be healed, and if they weren't healed, then it's because you didn't have enough faith. Yes. Well, you know, like I just don't think they're the only two options. I don't want to discount the fact that, you know, sometimes, you know, okay, maybe I don't have enough faith, Mm. but I want to allow for the fact that, you know, because at the end of the day, we're all dying and we're not, you know, no one's ever perfectly healed until the resurrection, right? And and that's it. And the other other factor here that I think um, I imagine – you know, what James and Paul and the other apostles would say to us if we were having this conversation and yeah, they were yeah. here. And for them, and I think this comes very loudly through, and this will be a theme that we go through with James, and we've already said it, you've already said it, we can have, it's some of the, it's it's, it's those little other words that we use next to faith. We can have faith for something. Yeah. We can have faith, you know, to all these different things. But the faith in yeah. is the most important thing. It's yeah. a faith in in our God, it's a faith in yeah. our Father yeah. for Him to do what is best. Yeah, you know, and it, it sounds so trite. You know, we just say it, but as we move in that relationship, and I think this is what James is saying, that we become secure and anchored in that relationship, yeah. and we are confident that you know He will do what He wants to do. And sometimes, as when we're living 
harmoniously. The spirit tells, like the spirit will inform us or lead us yeah. to believe, you know, that he will do this certain thing. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. That, and I think that that is the most that that's like the foundation of everything that we're saying. I suppose what I want to do is just go a, a step further because because I don't want this to be, you know, otherwise we're always oh God just do whatever you want to do. It's no no it's uh, not it's yeah. not that because you don't yeah. like okay. I'll bring it back to a relationship yeah. that that I have with my sons. Yeah. Okay. So as the father of my children. Yeah. Uh, this just happened the other day. We were exploring somewhere and we climbed up on something, and yeah. my youngest one was like, oh, "I'm having a hard time getting down," and I said, "Just jump. I'll catch you." Yeah. And he was wavering in yeah. his faith because yeah. he was like, "Oh," and the brothers, my other two, are standing there going, "That's going to catch you. We've been here. Yeah. We know this. Yeah. You'll be fine, mate. Just yeah. jump." Yeah. It was it, he had to get to that point of faith, and in the relationship with me, and look at me. I said, "Stop looking around. Look straight at me, and just lean over and go." Yeah, yeah. And he was fine, of course. Yeah. But it really was for me an illustration of what faith is when yeah, it comes to God. Good. That's great. That yeah. it's not just me going. My son Judah didn't sit there and go, "Oh, whatever you want, Dad," and just throw himself off. He wrestled with it. Yeah. He struggled with it, but then he got there and went, "You know, no, I do trust you. I'm going over." Yeah, and, and and his focus in that circumstance was on the fact that you were there poised to do a certain thing. Yeah. Now, now this actually feeds into my in, into my point. It's like, you know, Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Yeah. So I think my point about faith that when God wants to do something, he gives me faith to pray into that thing to be a part of what he wants to do. Amen. So 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 I think I think there's this circumstantial thing yeah. uh, about this that it's not just a one size fits all thing that it's about this responsiveness to God. Yes. It's like God's, you know, I'm, I, I want to do this now in this circumstance. And, and so God will give me faith to pray into that. Um, I mean, and look, I need to be connected with God in that to even uh, to be sort of connected with what God is doing. So, so I, think, I think there's just something more, uh, more mysterious, m- more leaning towards you know, more about our connectedness with God and what God is doing in that circumstance. Something around, as with Jesus, I do what only what I see the Father doing. It's like in that in your example, yeah. your son could see what you were doing. You're standing there. Here, come on, jump. I'm yeah. I'm telling you to do this now. Yeah. Now you wouldn't want him just to jump off a roof, yeah. like randomly. Je- Je- Dad said, it's like, like you're walking jump past one yes. day. Oh, yeah. d- you know, I'll just jump off. It's like no, no. Yeah, that, that this is a different different circumstance. And, but but again, it's, it's, these are trite words in and of themselves. Yeah. But as we go further in with God, and as we go deeper in with Him in our relationship, these are the things that are so important. And Hebrews is the other example to this. Hebrews, when he gets into by faith, these people did this. Yeah. It's all about. A relationship yeah. in, in yeah. God. There's a relationship. There's a trust in Him, yeah. and that's what Hebrews is all about. These people of the past were hoping, put all their hope in life and their very lives on the line, that their relationship with God was going to, you know, God was going to yeah. do these things, and they did it by faith. Though the things that they were doing, like the <laughs> Hebrews goes on to say. Yeah. They didn't take away their sins, but it was a shadow, it was a foreshadowing of saying, I believe, God, that you're going to do this in the provision. It's the same thing. We can be here and go, I can't see the end result here, yeah. Father, but I'm trusting you that you have that's asked me really to. That's a really good – and I think that's a great example because uh, here are people 
looking for God to do certain things that actually didn't happen within their lifetime and in some cases have not even happened yet, (laughs) you know, but but they are going to happen, you know. So, um, you know, I think... Uh, I think faith is also letting God be God. Yeah, it's faith in God and it's faith to let God be God, which then you know comes back to that point about in the moment. It's like I'm always having recourse to what does God want to do yeah. right now in this particular circumstance, rather than just applying some. Oh well, God always does this, or God always wants. I mean, yes, in a sense, God wants healing mm. uh, because. Because through Christ we have perfect healing, but that's only fulfilled. And this is where the Hebrews things ultimately that's only fulfilled yeah. on the day of resurrection. Amen. Um, so, so I think we, as with Jesus, we always need to have recourse to what God is doing and wants to do in each circumstance. I, I find sometimes for me, like my, my my mind comes back to these verses. If if I am being tested in my faith. Mm. Um, for something in particular, for circumstances going on or hardship, like the hardships that we yeah. have in the West, whoop de doo yeah. you know, but the hardships that I might face and I'm praying about something in particular, I might get really confident or I might get really something in yeah. it and then I begin to doubt yeah. or I begin to waver, yeah. right? I, I, yeah. And these verses come to mind mm. and I'm thinking, hang on, and it sort of does, I'm sort of coming at it from the other direction going, if I'm wavering, maybe I'm not meant to be praying about this particular yeah. thing. Maybe if I can't ask God for faith for this particular yeah. thing and I'm having wavering, it's not that I'm, you know, uh, I'm sort of coming from as, as a yeah, test yeah. almost. Maybe I shouldn't be praying about this at the moment. Or, or maybe what you should be praying is asking God what for do wisdom. I, yes, exactly. <laughs> about that circumstance. Exactly, you exactly. Know, it's like, God, give me the right perspective yes, on this circumstance. Yes, yeah. Like first. Yes, you know, and yeah. then so that you can be praying with the spirits. Like, okay, rather than jump in and pray yeah. for that, okay, let, let me just, God, what are you doing in here? Yeah. Are you talking to me? Yes, because otherwise, it's like God is saying, you know, like we're praying into us. God changed the circumstance, and God's saying, I've been trying to talk to you through that circumstance for like weeks, and yes. you haven't been listening to me because you've been too busy saying, take away the circumstance, take away the circumstance, yeah. take and away I, the circumstance. Not only take away the circumstance, but I believe yeah, yeah. that I've got yeah. faith that you're going to. And he's like, it's no. almost like drowning the voice out. Yeah. It's like this almost this um, sort of pretended faith that just you know uh, it just holds on to a, yeah. a certain change. It's like God's saying, no, can you just listen to what I'm saying to you in this circumstance? And, and James echoes Hebrews here, and yeah. we see it time and time again with Jesus. It's that expectation. If we come yeah. to him with an expectation for him to do anything other than what he yeah. wants to do, we leave disappointed. Yeah, that's we right. leave crushed. That's right. And I think the faith thing it applies. I mean, the faith theme is so prevalent throughout this letter. You know, and I've quoted right from the end, mm-hmm. but everything in between. I mean, because he goes on to talk about listening and doing, and this also is an expression of faith. It's, there's this sense of, okay, so you've read this and you've heard this. Do you trust me enough to actually do that in every and every circumstance to do the right thing? Oh. Do you trust me enough? And that actually takes, it takes um, faith to do and live a certain way because there's this control freakishness that we have that, you know, we want to do this. And, and a lot of the mistakes that we make, um, we we make, whether it's out of l- losing our cool or, or are doing the wrong thing, uh, are out of a sense of us wanting to be in control or frustration at not being in control. Yeah. Yeah. And so faith actually puts us in a place of peace 
that allows us to live with integrity. It's like unless you are in that place of faith with God, you actually can't really live with integrity and you're going you're gonna to be um, more vulnerable to temptation because you're in the midst, I mean, you're already being tempted because you're in the midst of this, I, I'm trying to control things and change my own circumstances and I'm frustrated that I can't and that whole demeanour, that whole way of existing is already outside of faith. So mm. um, so the, the listening and doing theme uh, is important as an expression of that. And then it's interesting, he goes on at the end, the last big section in chapter two, and this has been very controversial, this, this section, mm. because he talks about faith and deeds. You know, he says, look, um, if, if your faith doesn't express itself in actually a change in the way that you do things, it's not faith. It's dead faith. And what he's doing is that he is, um, in, in fact, I'll read in verse 17, he says, in the same way, faith itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Now, it's not like action is something, okay, I have faith, but faith isn't enough. I need to do good works to add something to faith, as though there's two different things. That is not the point here. The point is, is that faith works. Yes. Right. It's not like faith and works are different things. Yeah. Faith works. And it actually does things. It changes your demeanour. It changes the way that you live. And this is an expounding of, of the teaching of Christ and the teaching of, of, of the apostles as, as well. And this is the beauty of James. He sums it up. He sums it up in such a practical way. And like he goes on to say the very next verse, All right, you tell me you've got faith. This person says, you know, they're doing something. How can I see your faith unless you're doing something? Yeah. Where, where's the, if basically as is, is, is you know bit of churchianity Christianese? Where's the fruit? Yeah. Where's the fruit in your life if you're telling me you're doing all the right things and saying all the right thing and you're going home and I can't see anything of that? Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. And so he says in verse twenty four. Um, well, first of all, he uses because it's interesting. The controversy around this in, in the past has been that. James seems to be contradicting Paul. Yeah. Because Paul, you know, in Romans and Galatians is always saying we are justified, yeah. we are made right with God, we are considered righteous not by what we do but by faith alone, right? And James says in verse 24 of verse of chapter 2, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by <laughs> faith alone. Okay. So so this it actually they are actually talking about exactly the same thing, but yeah. they're they're coming at it they're from, they're coming two at it different, from different directions, yeah, right? Totally. So he's talking about this false faith, right? Uh, that's the faith that he's see. He's talking about belief because he says, "Look, you think uh, you think you get credit for believing something." He says the demons believe I in God yeah. and tremble. I love that. Like line. the demons yeah. believe in God. You and say trouble. you have faith. You say that there's one God. Good for you. Yeah. Even the it's, demons believe. That's right. Whoop de So it's no credit to them. Yes. So just so, so what he's what he's countering mm. is this very prevalent. And and we talked uh, in when we discussed Hebrews chapter eleven, we talked yeah. about this kind of uh, notion of faith. It's just about assent, intellectual assent. Yes. Um, and. Essentially, the biblical understanding of faith uh, is much more about trust, entrusting oneself to. So it's about that position. I, I actually step into that position of, a, of God is my God and I am a child of God. It's, uh, so it, so it's, something, it's something much more than just intellectual assent. Mm -hmm. So what James is saying is that um, 
when you put yourself into that hands of God, you actually naturally live, live differently. Yeah. So again, it's not that, okay, yes, you've got to believe, but you've got to do good works as well. So, oh, I've got to rush off and do good works yeah. so that uh, somehow I make my faith authentic. No, 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 no. The, the fact is, and this is where you begin with God, like entrust your life to God. Please don't go off and try and live a life of good works. It's like uh, without without being having your life entrusted to Christ. But when your life is entrusted to Christ, it means that it completely changes your perspective on things. And that expresses itself in a different kind of life. Could it it also be said, Matt, that um, Paul, when he writes so intellectually, you know, and so philosophically, yeah. so almost legally yeah. about justification, about the work of heaven, yeah. the work of God and Jesus to make the sinner right, you know, the yeah, righteousness. Yeah. We're getting from Paul, I, I've always thought of it like this, Paul is looking at it from like the God down moment of salvation, like yeah, looking yeah. at it like the legal ramifications, yeah. the paperwork, the, you know, yeah, the things yeah. there, where James is like, that's cool. Yeah. Now let's look at it in the earthly. Yeah. What are you going to do while you're here left on earth? Yeah. You don't just zap to heaven straight away with being justified. You're left here for a yeah. reason. Let's see the faith yeah. walk. This is what faith means after that moment of salvation. Yeah. This is faith walking and talking and a relationship with God. Is yeah. it like that? Yeah, I, I think that's a really that's a good way um, to look at it. Um, I'll just add um, a little bit of nuance to that. Please the, do. Just another perhaps perspective is that when Paul talks about the law, you know, he's talking a lot about things like circumcision and observing the Sabbath and mm-hmm. these things that were worn as um, as sort of marks of covenant membership. He's talking about the laws that yes. pertain to Jews. a sense of covenant membership. Yep. I am accepted by God and, and a, uh, you know, I am a covenant child of Beca- God because, because of I do things. certain yes, things. Yes, right? yes, yes. That's when Paul talks about works, he's talking about that sort of thing. Yes. So he's actually not talking about you know love the Lord your God with all your heart. Yes. You know, like he's not talking that's about great, love your neighbour as yourself. Point, great point. Um, he, he's he's talking about other other things. So what James is talking about is saying that first of all he's saying that that he's countering this idea of faith just as intellectual assent, and he's saying that if you have like true faith is this change of perspective that puts your life in God's hands that naturally causes certain uh, things to be done. To, you, you do things differently, mm. right? Mm. And, and, the, and the things that you do differently are actually in line with God's law. So in James, the law is this, you know, is this uh, amazing kind of roadmap for Christians both to examine themselves and but also to know the right ways to walk, right? Yes. But for Paul, when Paul talks about the law, he's thinking of a more legalistic approach yes. to the law. Yep. Um, where, where the law is like the means to being accepted by God, whereas James is saying, you know, the, the law is really the expression of someone who has been accepted that's by great. God. That's so great. That's great. So that's another perspective on that. So I look, love it. I, you know, I know. I know it's it's complex, but these I am actually really thankful for these perspectives because I think um, I think we the 
Paul's version of salvation by faith, we can apply that in ways that I don't think Paul intended. You know, oh, it's not about works. We don't have to do it. We're just accepted by God. It really doesn't matter what you do. No, it does matter what you do. <laughs> it's like because if if we look at ourselves and and we don't see that our lives are um, are driven from a completely different perspective, and and if that's not evidenced in our work, then the faith that we have is not real faith. In other words, the and again. By faith, I mean being entrusted to God. It's like, is your life really entrusted to God? Now, our faith for all of us is on a growth continuum. Mm. Right? None of us are as fully entrusted to God uh, in that sense, in that progressive sense, as yes. we should be. You know, because the Bible talk, New Testament talks about you know growing in faith, and already um, James has talked about growing in faith even through trials. These yes. are going to grow your faith, right? Mm, mm. Um, so, uh, so I think, uh, you know, I think that's important. It's like, um, as long as there is that growth, and as long as it's being evidenced by a changing approach to life, then it's faith with substance, you know. So yeah. I, that's uh, and, and that's he, what's going on here. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. And it's so deep here. And he gives, and again, echoing Hebrews, echoing the Old Testament. James finishes off chapter two by giving Abraham as an example of faith. Of yeah, real which faith. is interesting because Paul does too. Yeah, and you know, Paul says, "You see, Abraham wasn't con- wasn't considered righteous by works because he goes back to the covenant uh, when he believed. You know, it believed in Genesis fifteen. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yeah. But there came a point where God asked, yeah. "Okay, so he believed in God." Well, there came a point. And this is, you know, a number of chapters later and, and, and decades later for Abraham yes. when uh, God asked Abraham, take your son, your beloved son, and you love and take him to the, and sacrifice him as an offering there. And, you know, as the writer of Hebrews uh, says in Hebrews 11, I mean, Abraham reasons, well, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to do what God says and leave yes. the outcome to God mm-hmm. in, in perhaps the hope that maybe God was going to raise him up or something. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of... There's a lot of other things to say about the yes. Abraham and Isaac uh, narrative, um, uh, including the fact that in the ancient Near East, child sacrifice was seen as the highest form of loyalty to the gods. Mm. And in a sense, what God is saying in, in brief, I'm just going to say what God is saying in Genesis chapter 22 with the Abraham and Isaac incident is that this is no longer required. I do not require child sacrifice. Yeah. It's like because the sense that you have of needing to offer so much, well, I actually did that for you. Mm, mm. you know, this is, in a sense, God God himself will provide the lamb. Anyway, the point is, is that here in James, he's saying, well, look, uh, yes, Abraham believed God and, and he was con- declared righteous, but his faith had fruit. It had it worked itself out. It actually showed itself mm. in the fact that when God asked something of Abraham, he didn't try to take control of the situation and question God. No, no, okay, I'm, I'm going to do what God says. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, he closes off with, again, same as same as uh, Hebrews, and this is obviously echoing around the early yeah. church with some of the yeah. people who were getting saved. Rahab the prostitute, another example. He's yeah. a, you know, he says, you know, she did this, yeah. she hid the, you know, and it's like, wowee, you've got Abraham, uh, you know, the yeah. the father of the faith, the father of the Jewish yeah. Jewish race there. And then on the other hand, this Rahab the prostitute, yeah. you know, total, total foreigner. Both stuff. of them are examples of faith. Yeah. This is what it means to walk with God. Yeah. Oh. 
Great Fantastic. Stuff. Yeah, James chapter two. All right, now uh, as we wrap up, we've run out of time uh, for this episode. Um, as we go into the to the next couple of chapters, there we've already got a whole bunch of themes running in our minds here. But as we go into the to the rest of James, is there anything in particular you want to want us to keep in mind, Matt? Let it be built on this foundation that everything comes down. The thing that God wants the most is our faith. It's our connection with Him. Everything else flows from our connection with God. It's the most important thing is not to run off and try to look like what you think a Christian look like, looks like, but go to God. Life begins with God and your life entrusted to Christ. Episode 66 in the can. Thank you so much for being a part of it. We've covered the beginning of the book of James, a little bit of the introduction, what makes this book so special, and getting into chapters one and two. Please continue the journey with us. Keep reading that Thrive and downloading the episodes. But if you would love to get involved with our prison ministry and be part of supporting prison chaplaincy with our copies of the Thrive Daily Reading Guide, please head over to thrivetoday.net.au. That's Thrive Today. .net.au. While you're there, you can shoot us a question, you can find old episodes, and there's lots of other ways that you can contact us and support our little ministry here. Well, thank you so much for downloading and listening. Please share this with a friend, and we'll see you back here next week for another edition of Thrive Deeper. for listening to another episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ would love to hear your questions and comments about what you were reading in God's Word and in Thrive. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au. Thrive Deeper is on Facebook. Just search and like Thrive Today page for all our latest news. Until next week, our prayer is that this podcast will inspire you to read God's Word and thrive.